When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or <laughs> Joe's killing me. Or do whatever you can to go ahead and support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. And we truly appreciate you doing so. We picked up a number of YouTube subscribers and also people that have liked our Facebook page. So we thank you for doing that in recent days. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture, including the slap heard round the world at the Oscars. We cover that also as well. Moon Knight coming to Disney Plus and more on our latest episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your podcasts, plus Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the guys from Lakerholics.com, the guys from Lakersball.com, and of course our good friends at the Hoopheads Podcast Network. And if you can like all of that and follow and support that it is truly appreciated well we knew when lebron turned his ankle in the previous game that debacle that unfortunately was the game against the pelicans on sunday kind of had a feeling that didn't fare too well for the matchup coming into tuesday night against the dallas mavericks And unfortunately, that proved to be prophetic because LeBron was ruled out. The good thing about all of this was that Anthony Davis was listed as doubtful. He practiced with the team for the first time in weeks. So it looks like a return is imminent, maybe by the end of this week. Who knows? We'll see. But he's finally able to be at the point where He's actually listed on an injury depth chart as far as being available. So hopefully he'll be able to get back in the lineup real soon. It needs to be real soon because the Lakers now find themselves in the tie for 10th place in the Western Conference. And that is because they got destroyed. No LeBron, no AD. They lost the tiebreaker. They're in 11th place. Well, there you go. Even worse right there for you. I, I, ESPN hadn't updated its records before the uh, until just now. So you saw it earlier than I did. I was checking out before the game like, hmm, where's it going to fall out? So, yes, <laughs> the Lakers are now in 11th place due to the tiebreaker after they got destroyed in Dallas because no LeBron, no AD, no chance. As the Lakers, even though they did get good games from Russell Westbrook and Malik Monk, I want to go ahead and give them a shout out. 28 points from Malik Monk, 25 points for Russell Westbrook. You got to say that of anybody that played well, they did. Stanley Johnson threw in 16, not too bad for him. THT threw in 12. Everybody else just did a horrible job. They were just absolutely terrible. And the Lakers get destroyed after a terrible first half where they couldn't defend anything and just the Dallas Mavericks cruised. Let's just put it the way it was. They cruised in the second half to a 128-110 victory over the Los Angeles Lakers. 
as Laker Tom said, because of the tiebreaker, putting the Lakers in 11 in the Western Conference. And here today to talk about the game, Joe's got his glasses off. Our two great guests, indeed. We're also going to be talking about Winning Time Episode 4. So later on, when we do talk about that, hopefully you caught it on HBO and HBO Max. If you haven't, we are going to go into spoilers. So just want to let you know that. But here today to talk about the game, our two great guests, indeed. You got to go ahead and check out this guy's latest article available right now at Lakerholics.com. Please be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com where you check out his latest article, Lakers season on the line today against the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, we knew how all that went. So he's got to go ahead and update it with a new article that's hopefully a little bit more uplifting. It is Laker Tom and Laker Tom, glad to have you here, my friend. You're here in the wins, you're here in the losses, and with no LeBron and no AD, it was as sure as you could go ahead and say it was going to be an L. I think you knew it, Joe knew it, and everyone in Lakerland knew it as well. Yeah, you know, it's just like the story I just wrote. I I could just change the name of the team and the headlines and, you know, I can do a replacement with Word and then take out the Pelicans and stick in today's team and... uh, Boy, I mean, you wonder, is basketball such a sport dominated by one or two people on a team that we can really roll out a team just missing two players, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, not your ordinary two players, but but just missing those two players, you have an NBA team, and you go out there and you can't compete. Um. I mean, it says all of the different things that we've talked about all year about the lack of heart that this team has, the lack of confidence that they have, the the poor coaching that they're getting, the terrible construction of the roster with, you know, trying to guard centers with six four small forwards that should be point should be shooting guards. And the whole season has deteriorated at, at such a rate and then the injuries. I mean, didn't we have this situation just last year where right down at the clutch time we're missing LeBron and AD then it's LeBron out and then it's AD out this is like a rerun you know I really feel with deja vu that I've been here before and I know how it ended last year it didn't end well you know I'd like to get a chance to have it to see if we could play the Suns again and and it's totally not impossible I mean there's seven games left to, to play What's kind of strange about them is the motivation of some of these teams to maybe not want to have the Lakers miss the playoffs. They would like to see the Phoenix Suns have to play the Lakers in the first round. Um, So you never know, you know, I mean, there's three or four games where just depending on what the standings are and, and how the team is going and whether somebody's dinged and has an injury or something, we could very easily see teams just try to fold and give us a game. Whether or not we are capable of actually accepting that gift and, and registering the win, and you know, that's up for grabs, frankly. Um, you just have to hope that that we have some weird things happen because it, it's entirely possible that if LeBron and AD and the Lakers make the play-in tournament uh, and they're both healthy, I, I have a pretty good feeling about the team winning those games. I'm sure that that's uh, I could be accused of being a total homer for that based upon what we've seen this year, but but I'm always optimistic, you know. And that you are, my and, friend. And listen, it was are. 18 months ago. These two guys were the number one and number two players in the entire league, and had won the championship in the bubble, and hadn't even been threatened by any other team in the four series. So that's what's really so strange to me about this particular season. Last year we saw that, that, you know, we couldn't compete. And when, when we lost AD, that was just like a killer, but watching these guys play and looking at the talent that we've got on the team. I mean, when I think about the guys that are coming back on this team this year, like you want Reeves back, you want Monk back. You probably want Johnson back. You probably want Gabriel back too. If Mello, uh, no, I don't. If Mello doesn't retire, you probably want him back because you got him scoring. I think that a great backup point guard DJ would be an excellent backup point guard on this team. 
So you got like six guys that you theoretically, plus AD and LeBron, that you theoretically could bring back. And then you look at the record of this team. But why (laughs) would you do that? And you wonder, why would you bring those guys back? Well, one thing is that continuity matters, you know? It really does. I mean, this is why teams like the Jazz and 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 that, that have got the but same players. Talent and skill are the better thing to get than just chemistry. Of course. But I'll tell you one thing. You can look through the records of teams in NBA history, and you'll find that you don't win championships until you get continuity. Until And sometimes it can happen in a season. A team can just gel and – Everything works together, and the, the, it's the right coach and the right temperament. It's the right set of players, the right scores, the right defenders, and they win a championship. The Lakers, you know, we're getting into the, you know, 100,000 to one odds now for us to, to rally around a healthy LeBron and AD and and take down uh, four teams in a row in a four to three seven-game series and, uh, you know, and have it be the that we've won two of the last three years and we've won two out of three of the bubble of the uh, COVID championships. But it's a good thing that the season is ending because uh, it's been probably from a fan standpoint, one of the most brutal seasons that I've ever endured. I've had some great seasons from the Lakers and, and some tough ones, but this one was, this one takes the heap as the best, the best, most difficult season. And this is exactly what every Laker hater was hoping would happen this year, you know, and, uh, and we're still not done, <laughs> you know, no, we can, we're still not done. We can still have a serious season and career ending injury to somebody. And who knows? This is Raphael from NBA draft And you are listening to the Lakers fast break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. But also here today to talk about the game. It's a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out his game time chat at LakersBall.com. He is wearing the shades probably because he's mourning another death for the Lakers. Once again, it is Joe Sorrow, Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. My friend, great to have you here. Unfortunately, my condolences on digging more dirt on the Lakers' grave as they now head into 11th place in the Western Conference. Your thoughts on today's game, and then we'll go ahead and talk about some more cheery subjects with Winning Time Episode 4. Well, the, the team has sepsis right now. It's just a matter of time before organ failure and death. The glasses are the direct light to heaven, or maybe hell, I don't know. I decided to play the Hateful Eight behind me tonight. <laughs> Quentin just, Tarantino, very I good. Just, I just kind of felt that this is the most hateful eight I can remember a Laker team having. Uh, and it's not just the guys that are playing right now. I'm, I'm including AD and LeBron and in that as well for being uh, leaderless in the 2021-22 season. I had some time to really think because I, I kind of cut out a little early uh, in the fourth, uh, to get prepared for the show. Don't worry. You didn't miss much. I know. And I just came to the realization that LeBron James and a Anthony Davis won a championship because of good timing at that moment, good complimentary players and just immense talent. The immense talent is what's won them their careers. It's what's driving their Hall of Fame careers. Me being a huge Steeler fan, I, I, I've had these discussions with Steeler fans and they've always thought I was nuts. I, 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 I told them, I said, Van Roethlisberger was key to three Super Bowl appearances and two Super Bowl wins. 
But in the 18 years he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I never considered him a leader. I, I just, he doesn't have the leader qualities. And in a lot of ways, LeBron, of course, definitely Anthony Davis. LeBron never really, I don't think he has that, I'm going to go down in the, down in the, in the sewer, in the dark sewer for this guy. I don't think I've ever seen, I don't think if you really interviewed anyone that's ever played with LeBron and told you the truth, I don't think they would ever say, if they were telling the truth, I don't think they'd ever say, eh, leader, leader of men. It's, it's just not, it's not there. He's won from talent and his talent is unmeasurable and it should be complimented. It should be supported. It should be glorified, but this, this lack of execution and lack of playing basketball the way you're supposed to is, is a direct result of that lack of leadership and it's coming from everywhere, you know, uh, Kobe inspired a broken Laker team in 2012. He inspired them even more in a critical game with a torn Achilles and still hit two free throws. You've seen Michael Jordan and all these, heck, even Shaquille O'Neal, you know, as, as, as playful and goofy as he was, he was an f- immense leader. Rick Fox, Derek Fisher, guys that were even complimentary guys. So it's very difficult when you're spoiled as a Laker fan to see even guys that were inspiring become leaders. Heck, Caruso was a leader last year. He led by example and had a really, really cool attitude to go. So I think we've learned that we're just, we, we, we tried to overcorrect and it just didn't work. And I, I keep, I feel like I keep repeating everything and because we keep seeing repeats of every game looks the same. So we're, we're just basically repeating what we're seeing. We're seeing, we're seeing things where we're putting Carmelo at the five to guard the bigs and they're just dunking everywhere. And he, he can't play defense anymore. And he never really did when he was in his prime. So what else can we attack? What else can we make obvious that we already don't know? It's seven games of, of, of hopefully a death that we can finally bury. And I am really hoping that Jeannie and Rob sit in a room because they've, they've made bad decisions for a while now. You know, I'm going to roll with Tom on that. I, I was... I was trying to stay away from that part because I they did produce a championship in their, you know, management spots. But I don't know. I uh I guess you gotta you gotta think like Bill Belichick. It doesn't matter what you did last year. It's about now. You know, we're talking about now. Forget about what happened last year. Forget about what twenty twenty was. And as far as last year, Tom, you had mentioned something and it kind of made me think. What they did was I, I believe we would not have won a title this year if we had kept the other team. But what would have happened is it would have probably been the same result in the end. Now, does AD get injured in the playoffs? I don't think, I don't know. That's the only thing we don't know. But the team would have probably done exactly what it did last year, which was run into droughts that infuriated everyone. It's like, why are these guys scoring? three, four minutes out of a game, every game, every, some of them went five minutes. And I think we would have had that same thing had we ran it back. And then we would have hoped that AD would come back at the end of the year to get healthy, get acclimated, whatever. But do they, do you really see them beating Phoenix when you have a mentally strong coach with a mentally strong point guard with something to, you know, to win you know, he, he's still waiting for his title. And then you have a better Devin Booker and Aiton who's motivated to get his contract and a bunch of young players around there that got better a year later. I don't, I, you know, we would have still been balanced in the first round. I don't care how good AD was. I don't care how good LeBron is. And a lot of that is because they, there isn't that sixth level, that sixth gear, I should say, where guys really, really want to play 
for themselves or the guy that's leading them. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if we're going to have that, even uh, if we bring in the right players, we're going to have to depend on the talent carrying us. I don't see any leaders on this team and I don't see any leaders even in, in the coaching staff and I don't see any leaders up in the management booth. So it's going to have to be talent next year, surround AD and LeBron with the talent they need, bunch of shooters. I'd say I'd bring back two guys, and I was I was only going to say one, which was Reeves, because Reeves has the potential. He's a rookie. He has the potential to get better at shooting, and he's already shown the effort, and he can play D, and he can play team defense. You don't just discard rookies like that. That's that's You don't do that. It's got to be able to shoot. It's got to yes, be able to he's shoot. Yes, he's got to shoot. He can't become Sasha Vujicic, yes, but you give him a shot. Monk is playing above his head a little bit now because he's waiting for that big contract. I don't typically trust players like that in a contract year. Lakers probably won't be able to keep him. The second one, if DJ Augustine Augustine is going to shoot like this, this is the prototypical bench. 38% career shooter. Yeah, this is the prototypical bench player that LeBron teams need. So other than that, I don't really have any thoughts of anyone else coming back. The only thing, I, though, with DJ Augustine is as he gets older, he's going to get slower, and the defense is not going to be. That's why coming off the bench, maybe playing 15 minutes a game. Again, this is a – I'm stretching You can't here. play him more than that. I'm stretching here, G. I'm, I'm, I'm stretching. I'm not I'm – I not, know you're stretching. I like, I like, I like his – I think his shooting is – Definitely needed. I'm not going to needed, it. and I think during a January week, a, a February week, where you need a guy to maybe play 20, 25 minutes that isn't playing 20, 25 minutes all the time, he will come in handy. Other than that, I don't see, I don't see, I, I, I would uh, just wipe the plate, just wipe it all, remove those four, wipe the wipe plate. Wipe the whole slate. And, and just, I don't, and even the coaching staff, I mean, I don't even really, I don't, I think everybody needs to part. I think this needs I to be I told you an organization as a whole needs the entire slate cleaned. Yeah, but so, that's not going to happen. You know that. I guy. understand it's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm just telling you I would like to happen, but that's a different okay. one altogether. Okay, let me, let me Ross, respond. Joe's, Joe's laid out about All right. four you things respond, that i got to talk about. You can about. respond, and then we're going to go ahead on a cheerier note with winning time. So okay. go ahead, respond, and we'll go into winning time, because I think that's what okay. we all need to talk about right now, to cheer ourselves up. I have mixed feelings about a couple of the comments there, Joe, because, number one, I, I tend to agree with you that leadership is extremely important. And one of the things that the Lakers just don't have, and it, it, anybody who's watching Winning Time understands exactly what I'm talking about, they don't have anybody who's a visionary. They don't have a Jerry Buss or even a Jerry West who could have an idea of this is a type of team that we want to build. I mean, I've never heard a philosophy of exactly what is important in basketball from Rob Palenka. It's almost all star-oriented, star name-oriented. And I've always been a big believer, regardless of what type of business you're in, whether it's basketball or retail or wholesale or software, you have to, you have to create a product that people want. And that's what Jerry Buss did. And what the Lakers did this year and the last two years really has been to totally throw away everything that won the championship. They won the championship by playing bully ball. They didn't play small ball. They played bully ball. They had bigger, tougher people at every position. Marquise Morris was the big signing there. And were we lucky? Yeah, I tell you, you want to know one of the main traits that you have to have to win an NBA championship? It's luck. Because you got to be injury free and you got to have everything go out right. And picking players, you know, there's another thing. You look at winning time and you see Jerry West here saying that Magic Johnson just can't play point guard. This is the guy who spotted Kobe Bryant and made the Remember trade. Remember, Jerry West wanted Sidney Moncrief. Yeah. So, but the point I'm making is that choosing players, picking players is a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. We got Mon. We got Marquise Morris in the best year of his career. I'm going to comment on that real quick. The Magic Johnson thing because I think it's mm-hmm. important. 
No one. No one. And again, I'm, I've, I've said this. I've shaken Magic Johnson's hand. That is one of the most genuine, down-to-earth, for a man that famous, for a man who's known on every end of this planet. By he what is name? the mm-hmm. most genuine man. And I'm my observation skills have brought me where I've been in my life. There is no doubt. I've been taught it since I was a kid, how to spot things, and I've had life's experiences help me. I've shaken that man's hand. The man looked me in the eye, had the greatest smile you'll ever see, and it was genuine. So now, how does that factor into the Jerry West decision? Because I love Jerry West. Love Jerry West. Always will love Jerry West. I don't care who he works for. He's the man. Now, Jerry West and most of the people, I think Jerry... Well, I the think Lakers God, now didn't love him because they cut out his season tickets. Forget about that for a second. Focus on Magic. Magic had something. What did um, Bill Parcells said it about a player he, he had in the, in the 80s that passed away way too early, right? He had attributes you couldn't see. He 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 was able to win a chance. He won two championships with Norm Nixon there, right? And might have won one in 81 if he hadn't gotten hurt. Magic Johnson's personality, his ability to connect in a way where it's just not normal, especially at that in that era where it was known that. All the players cared about was making the money, playing the ball, and leaving. And True doing leadership. their thing. Right? He's the ultimate leader. He was the he is the greatest team athlete I ever in the history of sports, in my opinion. And the second one might be Tim Duncan. You can argue that. That's that's what I see. I, I would argue instead that the second one is the guy that you demeaned earlier in the show, which is LeBron James. LeBron LeBron, LeBron James is as great a leader as Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, or any other guy who's laced on a pair of sneakers. I, I think and, LeBron LeBron's And leadership. I totally disagree with you that he's not a leader or that he's a part of the problem on this team. Part of the problem, not from a playing standpoint, but definitely from inspire, being an inspiration and being a, a leader by... I don't know. I don't know what word. Well, I'm everybody, there's got there's got to be blame for everybody on the team because it is a team sport, and the team it truly is playing poorly as a team. It's not like we've we've got. Yeah, I mean, LeBron's pushing the numbers, but there are times when I see him just mailing it in on defense and and really not going out there and hustling the way that I would like to see him hustle. But this has been one of those fractured seasons that ends this way, and it all it all really comes down to. It comes down to leadership, honestly, but the, the leadership of Rod Palenka is the big question because the Lakers have an unusual set of stakeholders that decide things because it's not just Rob Palenka making the decision the way that Daryl Morey would make the decision uh, in his in his situation. Instead, you got a you got Jeannie Bus to talk to, and then you got Linda. Rambus and Kurt Rambus and you got Magic Johnson calling up on the phone um, and then you got the ghost of Kobe Bryant which is and basically don't forget Phil Jackson in Montana yeah and Phil Jackson in Montana and the ghost of Kobe Bryant who appears every time Rob Palenka looks over Jeannie's shoulder so what the Lakers need because they don't have a Jerry Buss who has a vision they need their general manager to have a vision of what kind of team he wants to build and they need a guy who can, can get all of these various stakeholders in line and get them in sync doing the same thing so that we go out and we draft the kind of players. We decide what kind of team we want. Do we want to be a bully ball team? Do we want to be a three ball shooting team? What Do we want to be a fast breaking team? You make all those decisions and you come to an agreement. Then you go out and you get a coach who fits that style and you build a roster for him that fits that style and you make transactions that fit that style and you build some continuity so that they played that same way last year. So we've got two years in a row. Then we got three years in a row and the Lakers are totally dependent on Rob Palenka getting his cojones together this year and making the right decision. Even if it means telling LeBron James and Anthony Davis, no, that's a stupid move. I'm not going to do it. 
because he's got a chance. He's got a chance really for a mulligan to fix the screwed up trade that he made last year. It won't be easy. It won't be as easy as making a screwed up trade because he doesn't have, he's got to, he's got to find the right team that can give him three players back because we need to take that $47 million and split it into three guys who can contribute and hopefully be starters. I think, so. I think we're going to have to pray. <laughs> uh, well, pray. we're going to have to be lucky. That's for I sure. to pray that what's going on in New York right now with Julius Randle plays into our luck. Julius Randle wants out of New York. I don't know what's going on there. I've, I've taken a theory that Julius Randle might be one of those guys that I've heard he thinks he's better than really is. But I, I tend to think when I've watched him play, he seems he thinks to be he's a, as good as he was last year is the problem. Well, I, I think a lot of it too, an outlier. Well, it could be because, you know, I think a lot of times that you need to understand when you're in, when you're an athlete, you, you have to adjust. You have to adjust. They're going to play you different when you have a nice season like that. Now they're going to say, well, if you draw Julius over here, he's going to be less effective, which is what's that's, a big, that's a big contract. Yeah. So now, right. Right. So what I would say is. Rob Polinka's first important task is to make it very clear once Frank Vogel has been relieved of his duties that he makes an announcement that we are going to take our time in finding the next coach. Okay? And then that's it. Stop right there on that one. Second, he can't say this publicly, but behind the scenes, he's going to need to figure out every avenue every avenue to get rid of the Russell Westbrook contract without relinquishing too much. Cause there's no one here really worth anything in my opinion, other than AD and LeBron. Or you, so, or you got to leverage, or you got to leverage the Russ, Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. trade so that you can get more back for Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn than you normally would get. And the, the reason that works is that if, if you made a trade for John Wall, for example, we couldn't make a trade for for uh, Christian Wood from the Rockets. We just don't have enough pieces. The, the, but, but we could. But if you put the but if you add forty seven million dollars on each side for Wall and Westbrook, then you get a situation where we could easily simply just we could just do Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean that was the deal that was proposed that we turned down. The Rockets were giving us Wood and Wall. And we were giving them Russ Westbrook and Taylor Horton Tucker. And they didn't want to give up the first and a first round pick. But they wanted the first, and we wouldn't give them the first. This year, I'd give them the first, no doubt. Because what we need is size and shooting. And we need a point guard to replace Russ. If he can unload Westbrook, that would still be a win. If he can unload Westbrook and get comparable talent, well, he has to. Otherwise, it doesn't really serve any purpose for us, you know. Yeah, but uh, getting back to the game, guys. Again, the Lakers, unfortunately, as we hear, let's, the let's same forget old losing. Stories. Let's talk about winning time, Joe. Yeah, let's talk about winning time because again, the Lakers <laughs> did get destroyed in Dallas. No LeBron, no AD. One twenty-eight to one ten. Oh, Luca is so good, man. Yes, he is one of the uh, best right now. He's uh, high in the consideration for MVP. We will be talking the NBA MVP. We're going to be still talking too about much that. Of a whiner. Hold on. We're going to be talking about the NBA MVP coming up on next week on one of our episodes. So that's coming up in the not too distant future. And in fact, in some of our episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks, we will be covering most of the major season ending awards and our thoughts on who will be getting it. But before we head on out, we will be talking winning time episode four as the team on the episode back then, the cast of characters head to training camp, which was then in Palm Springs. I loved it when they were in Hawaii. That's all I'll say. But the Palm Springs is the location for most of the action that went on as Jack McKinney tries to implement a new motion offense system that was at that time very revolutionary. He brings on his good friend and a coach that I really admire and absolutely loved when he was coaching Loyola Marymount and actually took a lot of what Jack McKinney taught and introduced and built so much upon that. And that is Paul Westhead. So you see Jason Siegel in the role of Paul Westhead. I thought the character itself was built a little bit, uh, I guess a week, 
and by nature, and I'm not sure the actual real life Paul Westhead was that week, but that's another <laughs> issue altogether. Really thought it was uh, he was portrayed too timidly, in my opinion. But the team heads out to Palm Springs for training camp, and we see the problems and the resistance that the team gives him for not wanting to change and wanting everything to stay as it was. He goes ahead after almost a mutiny by the entire team that they don't want to, except for Magic Johnson, who actually starts to see the vision of what Jack McKinney is talking about. And also you see the bonding that he and John C. Riley, a.k.a. Jerry Buss, is actually getting closer and closer to working with each other, which is something you don't see very often, which was very much frowned upon at that point in time, an owner and a player actually being on the good side with each other. And the team coming to terms with Magic as far as not wanting to go ahead and have them have him be the, come the leader. We talked about Magic Johnson as a leader. This was his trial basis on trying to become a leader for the team and a lot of pushback, especially from Laker players like Ron Boone at the time that were very hesitant and resistant. And some things in the episode I liked as far as it's concerned is the development and the visionary that Jack McKinney was and the fact that this episode, you know, it devotes a great bit of the show to him and his vision. And that's something that gets lost in Lakers history is how important Jack McKinney was to the future of what then was going to be a Lakers dynasty, even though he wasn't around for much of it after the, you know, after his bicycle accident, unfortunately. But guys, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Again, I think it was a solid episode. I still think it sometimes it gets on the border of lampooning a lot of these players, especially the players such as Jerry West, Jerry Buss, especially Paul Westhead. Jack McKinney, it you know, obviously showed him very driven to go ahead and get this offense in there. But I'm going to start with you, Laker Tom. Your thoughts on Winning Time Episode 4. Overall, I thought it was okay. I thought it may have been the best episode of the four, and I think it's still something every Lakers fan and basketball fan should end up seeing. Well, you know, I, I loved it just from the historical standpoint because McKinney was always uh, – I always loved the fact that he was the guy who really started Showtime and, and yeah. really – he was really the originator, originator of that whole concept of, of constant motion, you know. And this was before Seven Seconds or Less or, or Donnie Nelson even, you know. I mean – so it was it was pretty remarkable and 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 it's funny in reading sort of the the um, I guess the fact checking that, that is being done on the stories. There's a lot of comments about how that the, the team really actually liked it all right from the beginning. Supposedly they thought this was great, and I find that hard to believe because if there's one thing that's always been important to NBA scorers, it's getting the ball and being able to post people up. Um, you know, guys, guys want their touches. Yeah. Especially on, on the sense of Kareem. Who, right. And, 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 you know, and, and there's very few teams. I mean, the golden state warriors, one of the hardest things to, was, was if you love basketball to live in Northern California for the last 10, 15, 10 years with Steph Curry and, and clay and the golden state warriors playing the kind of basketball that it's the kind of basketball I love, you know, that constant motion stuff. So I, I love the whole thing with the McKinney situation. Um, and, you know, what a tough situation, you know, to be nine and four and off to a great start and you get into a bicycle accident that's really serious and yeah. has implications and you end up getting fired in the middle of the playoffs. They go on to win. Yeah. It's, wow. uh, you know, so I thought I thought it was the best of the shows so far. I, I'm kind of curious as to how has it been doing in the, in the ratings because it's a whole different thing for a Laker fan to be watching this especially one who actually lived and went. And that's one of the major criticisms there, Laker Tom, is that Mm -hmm. a lot of critics out there that are giving the show a fair grade or basically just giving a passing grader or, or thereabouts. One of the criticisms they have is that are people really going to connect with it that aren't invested Mm -hmm. in the Lakers. I will say that the ratings for it initially off the, the first and second episodes were improving that they had garnered into the 1 million and almost a million and a half viewers, which is pretty good for a streaming outlet. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to see more news on this going forward. It's not the highest rated thing for HBO or HBO Max because Euphoria 
just rock the numbers off of what they were doing. In fact, it's one of the main reasons why it's retained so much of the HBO Max viewership after they got rid of the day and date movie releases on HBO Max. So I think that HBO Max winning time is doing something to help sustain it, but it's not going to be the biggest show for them. I'm just going to be Frank, well, and as long as we have enough Laker fans watching it, so that we yeah. get season two and season yeah, three, that, and that's what I'm hoping for. I think yeah. if you can get between one and two million and stay there, I think that and it, and it retains its growth. I think it really is going to go ahead and be able to have something that's you know more sustainable, like a, like you said, like a season two or whatnot. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. But Joe, before we head on out, my friend, your thoughts on Winning Time Episode 4. You've really enjoyed it so far, and I know you've said some really great things, so please let us know what your thoughts are on Episode 4. I, I like shows or movies that surprise you. It's, it's surprised me, and the fourth episode really surprised me. I won't get into the beginning scene in that show. I'll let people make their own interpretation but i thought the camera angle there was a little yeah. uh, surprising yeah uh, it was indeed so i it's I not daytime up, television yeah no it, it is very adult i will i grew, let I, grew I grew up i grew up thinking the reason why paul west said and i'm kind of getting a little ahead here but being that we're talking about him uh, i believe that his the departure was because of Magic Johnson, right? Magic Johnson, or let's say it was a. I, I heard, and I, I think it sounds like it's wrong now. I heard that he was trying to get back to more of a, maybe a traditional offense. No, he wanted be, to play no. free like McKinney. Yeah, because remember he did that with Loyola Marymount. Remember, in 1982, he did. Right? Yeah, but remember, remember around 1990 when he had his rise as a coach with Loyola Marymount. He had the he highest. He was playing McKinney style then, but with the yeah. Lakers, he mixed in a bunch of post up stuff. So again, I, I heard again, I heard the reason why there was what's the what was it, what did Magic say? He wasn't having any fun, right? Yeah. So he wanted to run. All I around. heard, I heard, Paul went a little bit against what he was normally doing by setting a more slow pace type thing, and it didn't work out, and he wanted out. So, anyways, mm-hmm. I saw episode four. I've enjoyed every episode, except for maybe the dialoguing with Cookie, though, you know, too much. Other than that, I've enjoyed watching John C. Riley. I've enjoyed just seeing the development of the characters. I couldn't care less who's watching or not. And, and maybe the reason why I do like it is because I know a little bit about the history. I know how outlandish it is. I like excitement. I know how Hollywood works. I care who's watching it because the more people watch it, the more HBO would be interested in lengthening the series. Hey, I, I can't control that, Reggie. I, I, if they don't want to watch it and it, it can't go beyond one season, so be it. it, it, it I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. The hell with everyone else. I don't really care. The, you know, it's, kind of, it, it's kind of interesting how, how from a purely social standpoint, especially in the Me Too era that we're dealing with Jerry Buss and his proclivity for for wanting to be Hugh Hefner. Um, mm-hmm. And is and that first scene with his daughter overseeing him with another woman, you know, it, it, it's kind of interesting and, and actually pretty challenging. You know, it's funny. I didn't, I haven't been watching episodic TV. And in fact, the closest thing that I get to it is that my, my grandson and my wife will watch this show called American Horror Story. And I was shocked by some of the scenes in American Horror Story that I thought were like adult films. And, and actually, I'm pretty shocked by some of the stuff that's on Winning Time and, at moments. But it's interesting the way that rather than rather than dodging the whole situation and, and sort of painting painting over a different kind of Jerry Buss, they, they've actually 
turn it into a titillating part of the show and watching his daughter's reaction and all of the various things. And, and Jeannie apparently wasn't even involved in this stuff at that point in time. Wasn't even working for the company. Jerry seemed to have had a personality that even the ex-wife didn't resent. No. Yeah. His wife, in a lot of ways, hard guy to hate. A hard guy to hate. It was a hard guy to hate because he was, you know, he was who he was. Yep. And he, 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 it was just hard. It's, it was, you know, when you're not vicious during the breakup, it becomes. I always say how that all that all that dynamic when someone separates is all it's all going to come down to is the, is the same energy coming together you know that's usually when things go bad but when you have someone who's upset and then someone who's not you tend to have a better i guess separation but i i think jerry buss's situation is is, is hugh hefner of a lifestyle he had you know he, he there was a lot of respect uh, these were consenting adults Regardless right. if they were 40 years, 30 years. No, you know, I never heard. I, one of the things you never heard was a claim of some yeah. sort of sexual harassment never. involving Jerry Buss. Yeah. If yeah, that's and, the case, again, what consenting adults do is good. The, yeah. you know, we're, we're I, I don't. It's good don't for the ratings, it. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't see. And I don't, I don't think that's changed, by the way. I still see old guys with young girls. So, you know. All right. We, but I do want to say with, on the, on the end of young girls. But I will end the saying that the show itself ended kind of on a different note about showing that he had to, because of the money troubles that the team was going through at that point in time, because the league had not had its real first boom as of yet. It was just about ready to get that first boom, but it hadn't as of yet. The, the league and the team were undergoing such financial troubles that he, in order for him to keep the business or keep the club or keep the team, in this case, afloat, he had to go ahead and sign it off over to his ex-wife in a scheme that was thought up by <laughs> Jerry Buss's mother, who's played by Sally Field, who comes in there and steals all the scenes when she's in there. Yep. She's still fantastic so many years later. She's truly a, a sensational actress in going in there, and she really does a great job. But, yeah, oh, so far I've got favorable opinions. I think sometimes it lampoons itself, and it's it's needless in some cases, but otherwise, like I said, it's still a good and interesting watch. If you get the basis of what's going on, they are, they do take creative liberties at times, but you got to go ahead and get yourself around that. A great way to do it is it's read Jeff Perlman's book, Showtime, please. If you go ahead and do so, which still bothers me to this day, that at the very end of the episode, what does Jerry Buss say? Hey, it's Showtime. Just call the series Showtime, HBO. It, it doesn't matter that the other network is called Showtime. Let's call it Showtime. It's ridiculous. But one thing I do want to say, there was a gap. I would have tried to sell a product to Showtime. You could have made a lot more money, probably. Well, there was a, there was a gap by Pat Riley, who was already now working as a travel secretary and was trying to audition and for the color analyst role for Channel 9 at that point in time. It was called KHJ at that time. I lived through it. It was KHJ at that time, not KCAL. So I just want to make sure everybody knows out there. Mm -hmm. It didn't turn to KCAL, I think, until the late 80s or 90s, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it was KHJ at that time. I remember quite distinctly because they had the most awesome sports theme song coming into there. Okay, I'm sorry. My wife is waiting for the transformation of... Pat Riley into the slick Pat Riley. Yes, she, yes. She did not remember at all the Pat Riley who played for the Lakers. The hippie. He yeah. had the mullet hairdo and everything. Yes. And you know, did you, did you guys know that he was asked? I can't remember who the director was. It might have been Richard Donner. There was a movie called Tequila Sunrise. Yes, I remember. He, Kurt Russell ended up taking the part, but he was offered that role with Mel Gibson and Michelle Pfeiffer. And <laughs> His response was, yeah, I think they had just lost the title at that. I think they had just lost to Houston, maybe. And uh, the New York-Houston series. Yeah, uh, I said, and he said, it wouldn't look right of me doing movies when we've just lost. Mm -hmm. So Pat Riley always had a, uh, he always had the right, it seems like he always had he, the right. He hit that transformation. He hit that slick transformation. Yeah, some, board, men, All very, right, well, where was this yeah. already going? Jump in the shark. And before we wanted to go ahead and let you know that before we do go jump the shark, please, if you have any thoughts on winning time, 
Let us know. We'd love to hear it. We want to make sure that people are watching it so it will stay around for another season. We'd like to hear your thoughts at Lakers Fast Break, Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com, or share your opinions today at LakersBall.com and Lakerholics.com. Be part of the conversations today at LakersBall.com during game time and also Lakerholics.com. Hey, Joe, is anybody from LakersBall.com catching the show before we head on out? I'm sharing the link on now a thread that I created last week, so they're watching it. Okay, good indeed. That's good news indeed. But, guys, it's been great having you on. Once again, the Lakers get destroyed because no LeBron, no AD, no chance. 128 to 110. We will be back on Thursday night against the Utah Jazz. It's going to be a matchup at Utah. It's at 7 p.m. Pacific. It's on TNT. After the game, we will go ahead and be here to talk the post game. Hopefully, it'll be a better news. And, our, and the next Lakers head coach. Well, not, we'll, we'll talk. That's for another day. No, we're not going to be talking about the next head coach. We're going to be talking about the NBA Rookie of the Year and the Sixth Man of the Year. I sent you guys a schedule already. So. <laughs> we're going to talk about everything next week. Yeah. Unless he gets fired, we won't talk about getting we into gonna the We're going to talk about how Phil Handy. season's over. Phil Handy yeah. can't be the head coach. That's that's my yeah, that's well, where I No, myself. we're not going to talk about a head coach unless he actually gets fired. Mike D'Antoni. No, no, we're not going to talk about Call Pat Riley and, and, and ask him what Eric's NBA worth. Rookie of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year talk as well. So for Joe Sorrell and Laker Tom, it's Gerald Glassford. Once again, the Lakers lose 128-110. We will go mm-hmm. ahead and see if the Lakers can climb back into the plan because they're now tied with San Antonio, but they're in 11th place due to the tiebreaker. We'll see if they can climb their way back into the plan against Utah on Thursday, and hopefully they will. We'll be back after that game on We're Thursday We're not far night. enough behind yet. We'll still have to be a few more games when AD and LeBron come back. Then we'll make our push. Well, let's hope the push starts Thursday because we definitely need to start right away. Friday. Sooner rather than Friday. Friday? No, it's Thursday. Yeah, but AD plays Friday. Okay, well, whichever day we needed to start on Thursday against Utah. So we will Same go ahead. Thursday. We're just going to be back on Thursday. Laker Tom, I'm going to mute your mic if you don't stop it, young man. I want to close the show. But we'll see you on Thursday right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.